0: There's a joy for me right now when I look out and I see some children here. Now, mommies, would y'all like to be really brave and bring those kids down here real fast? And I'm going to show them something. Y'all stick, come on, bring the kids down. And I'll show them something. Come on, kids, you go, we'll have to hurry if you're going to come down. Do it real quick. Let's see. All right, come on down. I'm going to show you something. Come on, kids. I've got something really special. Anybody? Can y'all see these things? Anybody know? All right. Uh, who wants to take a guess? Come on, come on, kids. Come on. Who wants to take a guess? What do you? What do y'all think these are? Baseballs. Well, the kids have a little bit better rocks. What kind of rocks? These are not just any rock. You want to hold them? These are not just any kind of rocks, man. These are really, those are the smaller ones. And this is, hold the bigger one. This is the bigger one. These are very special rocks. All right, anybody want to take a guess what kind of rocks, what these were used for? Oh, somebody said a slingshot. Do you boys know what a slingshot is? You don't know? Okay, your mommy and your daddy are going to show you. What's y'all's names? What's your names? Ethan, and what's your name? What's his name? My, I couldn't quite hear. I'll tell you what, let's bless these kids. All right. Lord, thank you for these boys, and we pray that you bless them and their parents. Bless all the children on our campus in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thanks, guys. Let's give these guys a hand. They're awesome. All right, I'm going to stay down here so you can get a little bit better look at these rocks. These are some of Dr. Stone's, uh, well, he's the steward of these rocks. These were excavated at the city called A, if I'm saying it right. It's A-I. They came in 1966, Herb Livingston. Uh, excavated these things. Now, this is a big old honker rock. See the big one? (laughs) Now, uh, Dr. Stone tells me that with this guy, this is what's called an assault rock. So you got these big old guys, and they got three-foot slingshots. You know, it's the kind you you, you, you wind like this. And I, I guarantee you, you would not want to be hit by something like this, not at all. So, so they're doing this. Archers are behind them. You can see reliefs of these. Dark Stone sent me reliefs of these. And, and you know what? If you, go to, if you go to Israel this year with him, you might just be able to find one of these guys. But now these, these are the ones that, that I love. Now, these are the smaller ones. Can you see them? These are probably something like what, who had five of them? That would have been who? King David. And, I mean, he would have had to have been an amazing shot, and he would have had to have done it really good and with unbelievable force. So just put yourself in his shoes. He's a young man. He's coming up Uh, To the battle line, the Philistines Philistines are uh, insulting and have been insulting the Israelites for a long time. And single-handedly, the boy, the very young teenage man, defeats an entire army. Now, I think you can read about this in like 1 Samuel 17. Everything went well for that kid that day. I mean, life was good, and the whole nation bows down, you know, thanking the Lord for the young shepherd boy. But now you read on, not very many chapters later. By the time you get to chapter 22, 23, all in there, what's happening? I mean, in one place, you see David literally running for his life in this expanse called the Arabah. And it was only the hand of God that, that spared his life. So here's the deal for all of us that, that we've got to come to grips with. In life, in ministry, there's going to be ebb and there's going to be flow. Now, what do we mean? Well, in times where life flows, it's like on the beach, you know, the, the waters come up and there's all sorts of treasures in the water and it's warm and it flows flows forth, and it's good, but inevitably it's going to ebb, the waters will ebb, and then life becomes tough, very, very difficult. So for any leader in God's church, and everybody I'm looking at right now are leaders, and and you're going to be leaders in God's church, we've got to get a hold of these dynamics of ebb and flow. And how do we walk through them? Now, let me give you another illustration. Go with me to Thanksgiving 2019. Mark the date now. Thanksgiving 2019, the day after Thanksgiving 2019. We're up in Pennsylvania visiting with our son. He's in his last months of uh, surgical uh, residency training. And he wants to take a quick trip over to Philadelphia to, to go through what's called the MUTTER. It's M-U-T-T-E-R Museum. Have any of y'all ever heard of the MUTTER Museum? Nobody? I mean, I wouldn't. Oh, some of you have. Oh, <laughs> ah, Olivia, Olivia knows the MUTTER Museum. Have you been there, Olivia? Okay, well, so the MUTTER Museum's in a medical school it's a dark place, I'm telling you, only surgeons would, you know, would <laughs> would want to go there. It's just it's down in a basement, you go down there and you're just going exhibit by exhibit and go, oh oh gosh, oh my. But one big part of the mutter really caught my attention. I was captivated by it. They had a whole section on the ninth. 18 uh, spanish flu epidemic big section and oh my heavens i spent a lot of time looking reading about the grief that went through the whole population right (laughs) i mean the whole population then um Hearing, uh, reading about the stories of how so many people died during that time, you know, coffins were lined up, uh, no place to put them, reading of the terrible cost to the medical community, Uh, reading about what they thought caused it and how to prevent it. Now, now, now watch this. They thought the thing was spread through saliva. And so the big push of that day was, do not spit. Don't go out on the sidewalks and spit. And so they had campaigns going out and cleaning, trying to sanitize the sidewalks. You know, basically, they didn't have a clue. So, I walked away from that, Thanksgiving 2019. And the first thing I said was, Thank you, Jesus, very selfishly. I haven't had to go through anything like that. <laughs> and then I got to thinking, my gosh, what would it be like if something like that hit now? Boom, a hundred days later. A hundred days later. This little girl, my granddaughter, gets exposed, and our whole family is exposed On March the 12th, 2020, and we all have to go into quarantine. And my heavens, we're just now coming out. Lord have mercy. There are times, look, look at just part of what you're called to do as a leader, a spiritual leader, is to read the times. So when you look globally right now, is there anything stable in the world? Not much, not much at all. When you look ecclesially worldwide, what do we see? Many, many challenging points for which you are being raised up right now. When you look politically worldwide, my heavens, uh, dictators, tyrants, Thank the Lord for our intercession this morning. We pray against these kinds of things. We pray hard. So even when you look socially in our own nation, it it almost appears uh, in the last several years, the very fabric of who we are as a nation is being torn. Now, all the more important, I got to take Dr. Stones Stones back up and guard them. I've been threatened. I would not want to be. (laughs) Yeah, and where did my Bible, there it goes. I would not want to be on the receiving end of one of those stones. So how do we live into these? stressful times as leaders. Listen to what Paul said in, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, one of my favorite chapters. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves um, in every way through a great, through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, he says, beatings, Imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love. Don't you love uh, that list of virtues and holiness and fruit in his life? Truthful speech and the power of God. Oh, my heavens, how will you ever be able to work in this day and age without the power of God? Notice whose power it is, please. And then Paul says this. You almost have to uh, get a couple of these, uh, a couple of David's stones here. Then he says this, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. Now, no doubt what he was talking about was the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith there. But it's very important to, uh, to hear that, like Dr. Tennant was trying to share with us this week, What was he trying to share on Monday, on Tuesday? You know, we've got to be people who know how to walk through these times. And you're not going to do it on your own strength, on your own uh, gifting, and you're not even going to do it with your own weapons. So go with me to 46. If you've got your word or open it up in your your phone, go to Psalm 46. 46. And I think in this psalm we're going to see a posture that all of us now in this day and age are called to take. A posture that we're called to live. Let me also say, um, let's just take head on the fact, what in the world is a spiritual formation guy doing uh with trying to attempt Hebrew exegesis (laughs) as as Bill Arnold laughs in the back (laughs) and brother it is good to see you I'm so glad to see you out and about all right so years ago my next door my office neighbor was Dr. Sandra Richter and then right down from her uh was Dr. David Thompson And then right across the way was Dr. Lawson Stone. You know, I was up there and these poor students would come up sometimes asking me these uh, unbelievable Hebrew questions, thinking I knew anything, but what a a time that was for me. And and so I, I spent quite a bit of time with Sandy Richter asking her, I said, help me with 46. I know there's depth there, I know there's life there, and I need help to get a hold of it, and David Thompson helped me, and Lawson Stone helped me. It's a psalm of distress. I mean, just be really clear about it. The first three verses, uh, there's a crisis going on for this child of Korah. Things seem to be following a falling apart. I mean, when it says that God is our refuge, what's it saying? It means he pretty much felt like a refugee. And when he writes about a very present help in trouble, it is the language of a besieged city. The enemy has come against the people. So he's facing something that is absolutely overwhelming. In his life. Now, let me ask all of you, and we'll ask for uh, participation in the worship service here. How many of you have faced something overwhelming in your life? Raise your hand with me. All right. Now, those of you who haven't, y'all, y'all are just dismissed right now. It's okay. <laughs> you got it figured out. You know the way, the truth, and the life. Something difficult is going on. And what is he doing? The the psalmist here is employing what hundreds of years later, St. Augustine said was the proper use of memory. And that is, in memory, we remember by looking back on the actions of God in our life previously to now. And in remembering, we're given the theological gift of infused hope. Now, that's a pretty firm thing. That's not an I wish thing. That's, That's a gift that God took care of it then. I've got confidence he's going to take care of it now. Dramatic events are shaking this son of Korah's world. Dr. Richter Richter said that probably the best image here is that of an ensuing military conflict. Man, all you got to do is turn on the television right now. Think about some poor Ukrainian citizen now that we've seen pictures of carrying a stick rifle. Lord, God have mercy. And the forces of evil are amassed around them in the sea and on two distinct, very um, imposing land masses right around them. So what's happening here is fear of an upcoming trauma, and it was very real fear. The crisis was upon him. Dramatic things were unfolding in this guy's life. The earth was rocking, it says. Mountains were trembling in the middle of the sea. The ocean was roaring and foaming. The mountains of the earth were trembling. I mean, how graphic can you get? The guy, as we said, where I grew up, was shaking in his boots, It's a tough time. Now I'm telling you, you're gonna know these pressures the minute you get out, and somebody puts big responsibility in your hand, or for that matter, somebody puts little responsibility in your hand. So this is not an extraordinary song. I mean, we're almost we're talking uh, almost an everyday song, although the crisis is a little bit larger here. So there's a goal here. I, I mean, you're here to be trained, to equip, to be uh, sanctified, spirit-filled people. There's a goal to know how to walk through these, and, and we got to understand our goal. Listen to, to, to uh, John Wesley. What's the goal? Well, in his work, The Character of a Methodist, you know, what are we? Uh, We've got one intention at all times, one intention at all times, and in all things, he said. And what is it? Not to please ourselves, but him whom our soul loveth. And then he said, what's the other goal? Scripture perfection, he said, is this. Pure love filling the heart, And governing all the words and actions. We want that. I'm telling you, you need this in your life. And so purifying formation, you know, just starts bubbling when we get into these crises, plural, and yes the Lord loves all of us enough to move us through these crises. And one thing I have learned now in my seventh decade of life is just because you get old doesn't mean you get exempted from the crisis. Brother Alvin, do I hear an amen? It gets us all. It gets us all. Man. So what bubbled up for you going through this pandemic? Just kind of scroll through in your own mind. What bubbled up for you going through this pandemic? Or... How do you handle yourself when you get a grade that you don't think was right? What came up? What bubbled up? Or what happens when someone makes a comment on how one of our classes was run that we don't think was right? We're going to put the shoe, you know, we're going to put the shoe on both feet here. What's coming up What bubbles up in the financial pressures you face, in the relational pressures you face? Look at verse 4 now. The river referred here was the Gihon Springs. It was the city's water supply. Now, if you live in Israel and know anything about Israel, you're going to love any water supply. It's like growing up in West Texas. There's not a lot of water there. It, gives, it, it gave joy. It, gave, it was life-giving water for uh, the city. And, and verses 4 and 5 then going to speak about the tabernacle, the holy place where Yahweh dwells. And, and what's the deal here? Where the Lord dwells, there is stability. Now, we need to get this in terms of our, our own personal lives as well as, as, as our corporate lives in the Ecclesia, where the Lord rules and reigns and his revelation is upheld and loved and guarded and faithfully taught and walked after with our whole heart, mind, and strength, there will be the essential stability, of the presence of God, it shall not be moved. Read it, underline it. It shall not be moved. When the day breaks, God will help it. Now, verse six kind of lets us think that looks like everything is going to fall apart. That's always the nature of any crisis you're going to go through. It really looks like things are going to fall apart. Look at it. The nations are in an uproar. The very foundations of the kingdoms are tottering, but the Lord utters his voice, and they melt like wax. All right, now you holding on? Can you go for a little bit more? You following? It's going to get better. The word's got a word for us here. Verse 7, Yahweh of armies... The Lord of hosts, it's Yahweh of armies. I mean, get it now. Vast resources which you and I at this stage in our journey cannot even begin to imagine. Can't really get our, our little minds, our created finite minds around it. Yahweh of armies. Say it with me. Yahweh of armies. Let's say it a little louder. Yahweh of armies. Now That's how the church is called to stand, not timidly. Yahweh of armies is with us. Listen, what, what, what's the foundational point here? There's always something greater than us. There's always something greater than the little weapons I can hold or my own capacities or the capacities even of those around me. Yahweh of armies is with us. There's a greater reality present in the world. There's something here that is more than the clamoring of nations and the shaking of mountains and the roaring of seas. The God of Jacob, our mighty fortress, which we sang, and I loved it. The God of Jacob is with us. Now look at 8 and 9. Be invited now to come and, and see just how great and awesome this holy God is. He brings stability to the earth, and he brings stability into our poor lives. He makes wars cease. He holds the fountain steady. And in doing that, we learn to walk in the light of who he is, not in the light of the tragedy of a collapsed world. Get it? Where the focus is? Your walk, your learning, your growth is in the light of who God is not a reaction to the tragedy of a collapsed world around us. We don't have to be completely downtrodden by the crises, though we will be very honest, just as David was honest, and as this son of Korah was honest, the crises hurt. They hurt a lot. Now verse 10. Oh, here it is, y'all, here it is. This is where I knew I needed help. This is where I knew I had to have Hebrew scholars help me. Be still and know that I am God. Now, what in the world does it mean when we translate that Hebrew word, be still? Now, now follow me. you got to follow me here. I don't step too close. I'll fall down. (laughs) Anyway, what we're literally talking about. Sandy said Sandy said just imagine you know your hands in the air and, and get, the, get the thought here get the image of, of just get the context of the psalm you got a warrior in a battle the woman of God or the man of God is in a battle and it is not going well for them. And they've done everything they can do. They've expended all their sling stones. All five are gone. And the Goliaths are still coming on. The Hebrew word, boom. Let your arms down, let your hands down. Get it? You're holding the weapons. You let your hands down. Wow. For instance, Exodus seventeen twelve, we read that Moses' hands grew weary. He's holding them up. There's a battle going on. He'd been keeping them raised in order for the army to uh, defeat Amalek. And so Aaron and her had to come along on either side and hold his arms up. And, and all of us need our Aaron's and our hers. But now here in verse 10, it's saying, drop them. Drop them. And so you see this exhausted warrior, just Sandy said, collapsing in a heap. On the battlefield, man, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like that was a part of the whole COVID experience for us. And I know we're not out of it yet. It has not been an easy time. Look, this is this is what Jessica was uh, uh, was talking about yesterday when she said we are not enough. She said we are dust and ashes. My sling stones are not going to pull this thing out. As good and as sharp and as accurate as I am, and despite all of the Goliaths that I've knocked over in the past, it's not going to work now. So what's this thing calling us to do? It's calling us to let go of anxious striving. And it's moving us into a posture of faith saying there's something greater in the, at work in this universe and in my little life than what I can control, what I can see, what I can manipulate, or what I can work uh, an outcome for. There's something much, much more important. There's a trusting in letting go, because you're looking to another And it's opening you to that gift that only the Holy Spirit can give you of infused hope, which is a confidence in who God is. It's an amazing thing. Now, it says, look at it, look at it. Be still and know. All right, here's what Dr. Stone says about this word, know. He says the word know as it is used here almost never denotes mere cognition. It has to do with someone really getting it, really grasping what something actually means. And so when we see be still and know that I am God, it's the invitation To realize the magnitude of my identity and my action. That's what Yahweh's saying. Yahweh's saying, I want you to realize the magnitude of who I am and the immensity of who I am and the unbelievable strength of what I can do. It's huge. Be still. Let it really sink in. Let it really hit you with full force, Yahweh is saying here. I am God. And then with this type of letting go, notice what unfolds. It's Dr. Richter told me it's a Hebrew poetry couplet here. And in a Hebrew couplet, poetry couplet, The second clause reflects the first clause. You fall down in a heap, I will arise, says Yahweh of armies. You get it? You fall down in a heap, you've done all you can do. I will arise, says Yahweh of armies. Wow. Verse 11. Yahweh of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Ah, with us. Ring a bell. With us. Yes. Emmanuel. With us. Now let me suggest in the historic flow of historic uh, Christian Hebrew and Christian spirituality that before we can pick up any of Paul's weapons for the right hand and the left hand, which we are called to pick up and we are called to use them and we are called to use them well, before we pick up any of those weapons, there needs to be this precondition in place. What is it? Listen, utter humility. Utter collapse before the Lord, before Yahweh of armies. Utter acknowledgement. Thank you, Lord, for the sling stones you've given me. But it's your hand that is my strength. It's your eye that gives me my aim. It's your power that stands behind all that I am, all that I do. Now, how in the world can we confirm this? And here, I thank the Lord for M. Robert Mulholland. Just go to Revelation 4. Revelation 4. This is where we're gonna end. This is what confirms all of this. The end of the go to the end, the ending book, Revelation 4. Four living creatures, you know, they're they're surrounding the throne day and night, and they're singing what? Say it with me. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come, and what happens? You know, all the creatures are giving glory and honor to the one who is on the throne. And then the 24 elders listen, friends, this is the church. This is God's church. What do they do? They fall down before the throne. Utter submission. It's not my will. It's yours, Lord. It's not my life. It's yours, Lord. It's not my body. It's yours, Lord. It's not my plans; they've got to be yours, Lord. It's not my agenda. I am here to follow your agenda to the end of my days, and then I will follow on after that. They fall down in submission. Then what do the elders do? They rise up, giving praise. Look what did what did uh, uh, old Fat Fat Jehoshaphat do when he faced a similar situation, Danny? He put the choir in front of the army. And they sang, what? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We go before the armies with worship and singing. And then we follow up as the army of God. Now there's an invitation this morning. That invitation is to come down to this altar, and receive the very gifts of God given to you. This is my body. This is my blood. And I let my hands down before this magnificent gift. And I fall in submission before this magnificent gift. And I take, and I receive, and I know in my bones then, I know with St. Augustine, I am. We are what we receive. And then we'll rise up from this communion table to worship and praise The Lord God Almighty. And oh, by the way, the elders also did one last action. What was the last action they did? And we want to do that too. What's the last action the elders did, the 24 elders? They tossed their crowns. What do we say? Every merit is a mercy of God. Every accomplishment, Lord, I'm I'm tossing it before you. Every crowning glory everything it's yours god and i go forth with yahweh of armies let's stand for our closing